Ah, vacation land. Just the sound of it sounds great. If you don't know what state that is that I'm referring to, vacation land is the state of Maine, actually the state that I'm from. I am going to talk to a Maine realtor today to tell you all about what it's like to move there, and it's quite a big trend now moving from a major city up to Maine. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. I'm going to be launching a digital course how to accessorize and style your home in a New York minute. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens, it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots, and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot, guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm gonna show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's gonna be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are gonna be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So. You can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So you're going to want to get on the wait list because if you're on the wait list, you're going to be the first to know, you're going to be in the know, and you are going to be one of the ones to get the special introductory offer on the course. So to join, you can go to jillcalmaninteriors.com slash course dash waitlist or if you go to my Instagram profile at Jill Kalman Interiors, you can get the link in bio directly there and sign up for the waitlist. There's no cost, no nothing right now. It's just to get you on the waitlist so you are privy to all the information and the special deals. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Thank you so much. So today I have on the show a main realtor, Marty Massisso. Marty has been a Maine licensed realtor since 2010 in the greater Portland, Maine area, but he sold properties all up and down the coast from southern Maine Kittery up to Booth Bay Harbor. Prior to that, Marty worked worked as a loan officer and he has extensive knowledge of lending and market trends. Marty resides in a rural town just west of Portland called Buxton, Maine. He's married and he has a newborn girl. So today, join us as we discuss the market trends in Maine and what's happening there because a lot of people are moving up north and that beautiful rocky coastline is a real big attraction. So here we go. Hey, Marty, thank you for coming on with me today. I'm really excited to have you here as a fellow Mainer. Hi, Jill. Thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure, and I'm very excited to be on your podcast. I don't get invited to a lot of them, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, well, I connected with you because I think somehow I'm on your email list, and I know you're a realtor up in Maine. We went to the same school. I'm from Maine originally. 
But it's funny because I noticed over the summer, even from here, which is not that far from Maine. I mean, it's about a four and a half hour drive. And, you know, people go to the Northeast all the time in the summer. A lot of people during quarantine had discovered Maine for the very first time, which I thought was interesting. But then when I saw your email, you know, it also made me realize that, you know, I'm in a suburb of New York City here in Connecticut, which is really popular moving out of the city. But I think with COVID, you know, people are even going further. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to talk about how Maine real estate is now trending, you know, from the summer vacation to permanent residency, you know, due to COVID. Yes. Well, I know we hate this word in 2020. We overused it, but unprecedented is really, uh, it's descriptive. And I know we want to write it down and and burn that word right now, but Maine has really seen, and you know, before COVID, the real estate trends in Maine were really already very high demand and Mm -hmm. very low inventory. So real estate is a supply and demand game, like a lot of, you know, a lot of asset classes, but COVID's kind of just accelerated that, you know, really, because we just saw through a variety of reasons, kind of that flight from the urban areas, kind of, you know, you're seeing really across the country, kind of an urban exodus. And I think a lot of people just have been hearing a little bit about Maine. Obviously it's the vacation state. And like you said, a lot of people have either been vacationing up here or had second homes. That's true to your point that a lot of these people have just kind of said, I'm no longer chained to my cubicle anymore because of remote work. Remote work has, you know, been put on steroids, you know, and almost every company that has the ability to do it, and not every company mm-hmm. can do remote work, but every company that can do it, they're doing it almost 100%. And they've kind of adopted that in an indefinite policy. So we are seeing a lot of buyers from not just Boston, not just New York. Those are, I should say Massachusetts, New York, in the outskirts. That's kind of the predominant buyer from out of state we're seeing come up here, but we're starting to see DC, Florida, you know, all across the country. And, you know, I think that's just, when you think of Maine and you think of social distancing, if you're coming from an urban setting where you're, maybe considering buying a basement level condo for, you know, several hundred thousand. And then you look up here in Maine and you see, well, for that kind of price, I can get, you know, a expansive colonial 4,000 square feet with a couple acres and still be close to all the amenities that Maine has to offer. To that point, yeah, we're, we're seeing bidding wars. It's the demand is through the roof. The supply cannot keep up. Even before this, we had inventory and supply issues, which just means prices go up, up, and up. You know, that's where we're at. And it's interesting. It's great for sellers. It's tough for buyers. You know what I mean? To all of your points, I mean, I think one is that I think once people do discover Maine, they do realize how lovely it really is. And so in the past, people would say, well, we need a vacation home here. And I think vacation homes have always been a a big thing up there on the coast. I mean, we've noticed over the last, you know, decade or more, so much building going on along the coast. And, you know, Maine, depending on where you go, isn't inexpensive because, again, anything in the Northeast, as you and I discussed, and especially if it's on the water, it's going to command a high price. It just varies, I think, where you go. So do you think some people have taken the vacation homes they might have built 
and making those year round? And then do you also think it's less about finding a vacation home now and it's more about, yeah, we want to, we want to settle up here? Yes. Yeah. I would say early on in the process of COVID, when you had all these just kind of questionable quarantine rules, you saw a lot of people go up and just camp out and stay in their second homes up here in Maine. So, you know, they were avoiding those hot spots. And that was really the initial trend. We just, you know, like, you know, all over social media, you know, a lot of Mainers are like, I'm seeing a lot of mass plates, a lot of New York yeah. plates. I thought, the, yeah. I thought the border was shut down. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of joking. But so, yeah, to your point, I definitely think that transition from, yeah, this is just going to be my part-time residence to, well, if I can work here, I can live here, you know, Maine initially had some of the lowest case numbers with COVID. So it was really kind of like a flight to safety for a lot of people. Maine, uh, Maine I will say, know. did an amazing job at containing this virus. I mean, I was very in touch with it because of my parents that are still up there. And yeah, so it did. It felt safe. And they had pretty strict rules in place if you were going to your house up there to quarantine and all that. So right from the get go. Yeah. The governor yeah, came like they down did it so early sh- on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of to another point, you know, I just had a conversation with a, a prospective buyer down in the DC area. And she was like, I come up every summer, you know, and I just have a summer rental and it's usually, you know, from, you know, not the same place every summer. She now wants to just buy a kind of a permanent residence and either, you know, reside there in her vacation season, rent it out when she's not there. So I think that's people are looking at kind of where we are economically. And as far as economic policy unfolds, people are kind of starting to look and say, you know, real estate's always been a good investment. Is it going to be even a better investment? You know, if I have the ability and the financial means, capitalizing these historically low mortgage rates, the, you know, they're ridiculously low. Yeah, um, they're definitely. And, and so, for some people, then it may be that it is a second residence that they're going to use full time. You know, they may it right. may be a second residence they own, or just yeah. It's interesting how it's all happening and sort of converging. And I think I mentioned to you after nine eleven. Maine saw some of that. There were a lot of people that wanted like out of the DC area, out of the New York area. And if you at that time had your own business, were an entrepreneur or in a a professional field like a lawyer or a doctor, the move to Maine, you were able to do it. Now with COVID, like you just mentioned, because of the remote working and even the remote schooling, you can almost be anywhere or you can really be anywhere. So I think, yeah, I think it had a huge impact. Yeah, that almost is the the biggest takeaway of why yeah. it's not even really flight to safety. I, you know, I don't want to paint a picture that all the cities are dying. I, I think yeah. you're going to have ebbs and flows. But I think this remote learning and working is here to stay. And that just, like you said, back in 9-11, that was a little before my time in the business. I was a college kid, but I remember things changing but now I think the technology is so seamless. You can even be more efficient and productive. And I think they're seeing studies and even just word of mouth. You know, I have some you know clients in the tech business and they're like, I'm like, well, do you miss the office? You must be really struggling having to work from home. And they're like, no, I, I'm more productive, honestly. And I've heard that too. And I think, cause I think what's happening is even after the vaccine, what'll happen is I think companies have realized that they can run more efficiently 
with, and maybe not all, but with some people working remote with smaller office space and smaller leases. So even though, you know, offices will reopen, I don't know if they'll be at same capacity. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think it's just proven that, you know, people who maybe had requested an at-home office through a company, because that was going on and companies were not so sure of it, are realizing that, oh, it actually can work. And if I have the right skilled employee, if that's the way to set them up and have, you know, their skill set at my company, then let's do it. You know, it's interesting. It is interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I don't think that trend is going to go anywhere. I think it's here to stay. You know, I think there'll always be offices and cubicles and, you know, floating offices and things like that. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of these big Silicon Valley, you know, firms and tech companies and they're instituting just almost mandatory remote work. And Mm -hmm. or at least if you want to do that, it's an automatic, you know, Yes. So I don't know much about all that technology, but I know that is affecting, you know, the whole main real estate market and probably a lot of markets in the Northeast and New England. I think the more sprawled out markets where you have, you know, you've got infrastructure in some metro areas, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to be there. You can be 20 minutes to, you know, 30 minutes outside of those and have, Again, it's that social distancing kind of branding where it's yeah, that space. I want, I want my own office in my house. You know, I yeah. want a, well, a yard you know, for my dog where I never had that when I was yeah. you know, in a little apartment <laughs> in a one bedroom apartment paying just as much. So it's kind of unlocked all those high earners who had to be down in those metro hubs, be it Boston, well, New even, York, you know, San Fran. The city of Boston, which is so close to, you know, where we are in Maine, as far as like a larger city. I mean, there's a lot of suburbs outside of Boston, you know, then you can still commute into Boston to work. So do you think New England in general, like states like, and I know you're not, you know, there, but are you hearing or seeing any trends where like Rhode Island, New Hampshire and Vermont are also seeing this trend? Yes, I can say, I I can speak to New Hampshire because obviously I've I see a little more activity. I don't have, I'm not licensed in New Hampshire, but they're experiencing pretty much the same, you know, it's the same geography and a little bit different, you know, tax and politics, but it's pretty comparable. Obviously the, you know, the geography is, is the same. So, um, They're experiencing it, and, and I think it comes down to dollar. You know, what are you getting dollar for dollar, dollar for dollar value in your real mm-hmm. estate? It be it your monthly housing payment. Like I said before, if I'm paying this and I'm getting much smaller space, and right now with all the lockdowns, none of the amenities of a big city. If anything, it's for a lot of people probably scarier. Some yeah. I, I would say I don't know if that's the right word, but but. And then to be able to come up and really have a homestead for the first time and, you know, pets, you know, it's really pet driven because everybody's got a little dog almost where they want to be able to let the dog, you know, run around the backyard. And it doesn't, we're not even talking three or four or five or 20 acres, a big, huge yard to a lot of people coming from the city is just, you know, a hundred square feet sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's great for kids too, like being able to have a swing set, whatever. And, you know, pools are getting bigger. Yeah. The pool companies here are really busy. So yeah, I think that's good. Do you find there are any sort of hot trending areas in the state? Do you have some areas that are just really popular right now, or is it kind of dependent all over? 
It's pretty widespread. I mean, I you know, I know that South Portland, which is just obviously right outside of our biggest metro area of Portland, Maine, yep. it's getting some national attention for being kind yep. of on the hot list. I don't know really yep. where they come up with those metrics and the ranking or who decides, but I don't think it's just specific to South Portland. York County and Cumberland County are yeah. against geo, you know, um, kind of demographic yep. counties. Yeah. And really from Kittery, Maine, all the way up to Midcoast, Maine, you know, up yeah. into like Camden, yeah. you know, Bath, some really good undervalued areas kind of up towards the Midcoast, but also it's all relative. Like I said before, in like the York Wells area, it's very beachy. So you're seeing- It's close to Boston. It's, it's close already to a vacation destination for a lot of those. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean- Boston, yeah. kind of like the new, you know, where they typically- historically used to summer down in, you know, Martha's Vineyard or Hyannis Port. And mm-hmm. now it seems to be York Beach is very popular, you know, a little more affordable. And then obviously, you know, in the Portland, South Portland area, you have some really popular suburbs like Cape Elizabeth and Scarborough, Maine. Um, yeah, Cape Elizabeth is gorgeous. Great yeah. systems, Falmouth, Maine. I know you're familiar yeah. with Falmouth and Cumberland. That's where I grew up. Yep. <laughs> those, are, those four that I mentioned are the top school systems in Maine just as far yeah. as. Yeah, Falmouth has always had, I think, a pretty big draw because of the school system in general. But so now, yeah, if you want to permanently settle, it is a great school system. It's expanded also quite a bit since I've been there. But yeah, I mean, those are all amazing places. And Midcoast, Maine, for anyone listening that isn't familiar, what a gem. I mean, Camden, Rockland area, so beautiful. Oh my God. You know, and then of course the Southern, like the Kennebunk and Agunquit, like you said, near Kittery in that area. I mean, those are popular destinations, you know, at vacation, but there's surrounding areas that are really pretty, like Cape Porpoise, so beautiful. Yeah, Cape Elizabeth. I mean, I could go on because, you know. The way life should be. Somebody's once Yeah, I love me. Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. So you and I kind of know the secret because we're Mainers. What do you think is the biggest draw to the state if you're coming from out of state? (laughs) It's the space and the land, but I don't know. It's a different vibe, right? It is. Yeah, it's it's hard to define. You know, I think I've you know I've heard different things. I know I think Senator King, Angus King, said the other day when they asked him about Maine, he said Maine's like a big small town. It's kind of got right. that, that atmosphere to it. Even in your really hipster areas in Portland, obviously all the way up to the county up north. You know, yep. Maine really. I mean, if you really don't know about Maine, it's almost comprised of two different states into one. You've got. I was going to say, Maine's a big state, and it's, it's very different. Yeah, you basically have Portland and Canada. You know, and right. basically one kind of. <laughs> Kind of, um, That's a good way to describe. I kind of was thinking about it, and you know, I just think that it's a slower pace of life for the Northeast. You know, I yeah. the Northeast relative to the rest of the country. Maybe it's our hardy winters that make us so tough and mean up here yeah. compared to like you know down south where it's very very slow. But I look at Maine and almost compare it to New England and New York and Jersey, and I'm like, we're not like the rest of New England. It's different up here. And I think it's not like you've got industry and, and obviously our industries are building and, you know, and tech is becoming more of a thing and other companies are coming here. But I just think it's that rat race, that cutthroat energy isn't up here. And it's... No, like I always say, what I find about Maine that's different than most other places is Mainers are very humble. We don't like flaunt and blast things off. Like, I don't know. There's something to me that I think is very humble about it and kind. I mean, 
it's just different. I can't explain it. And when you connect with somebody who's from there and you say you're from there, there's this kind of automatic connection, which I suppose could happen if you're from anywhere, but there's something just di- like you just said, it's hard to put your finger on it. It's a mysterious it's charm that kind of the, you know, I don't know if it's because we're a coastal kind of fishermen, you know, that's where the origins of our economy, you know, came from all the way up. You go up north, it's forestry. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely um, get that down to earth. Uh, down to earth charm and my father actually owns a lobster pound and he has for you know decades and no way. his primary customer is the tourist who comes from out of town and and these are global tourists now coming from the far east yeah, oh, totally. yeah. massachusetts you know he just you know i think when i look at that interaction when he's telling them sea stories and you know t- you know pointing to the map and where their lobster was caught and things like that that's just a microcosm of kind of how mainers you know they're humble but very proud of where they're from and yeah you know, we don't get oh, a lot of press in the hollywood and you know there aren't a lot of articles about us written nationwide but when they are you know i know i look and say oh maine they're talking about us <laughs> almost yeah like i know it's really interesting. It's really funny. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of, so for people who are, you know, thinking about it, maybe they've only been there once or twice. I'm trying to just give them a little bit of a taste, you know, but I do think it, I think it's more down to earth. I do think you're right. It is slower. Yeah. It's more relaxed. So if you're somebody who's in a rush and you get into somebody's face in Maine, like somebody in a service industry, it's not going to bode so well. You're going to have to calm down a little. That's my advice, right? Yeah, we, we get it. You know, oh, you must be from away. You know, you know, kind of right. already know. And it's not an offensive way to say it. You know, it's just, but Mainers will always go out of their way to help. They will. And the thing, um, Mainers are really hardworking. We have, I think, a really strong work ethic. And I think that they'll work hard to do whatever, you know. Um, Mainers are very independent. And I think Maine is one of the highest concentrations of just self-employed people because you got no choice because there's not a ton. Historically, there hasn't been a lot of huge companies up here. And no, that's been the hard All the mills up north, a lot of them closed down, you know, just over the years and decades. And Mainers have had to scramble. And, you know, we're by no means affluent in a lot of areas in the state. Now, those who have to bank it and, you know, they've, they've got to really bust their butts and and they do, you know, they're hard. Yeah, because like you said, I think you and I talked about it, too. The cost of living relative to the income is high because, like you said, there's only been a handful, if that, of big employer, big size employers there. So you did have to kind of carve your own way. I think that was probably the reason why you didn't see so many people sooner in the state because they think I love it you know, a house is X, this is X, but what am I going to do there? Right. So I mentioned for years, I have known a lot of people from this area that are either doctors or lawyers, they're able to come because they either are joining a practice or starting their own practice in that type of professional field. And they're able to, and some entrepreneurs, but yeah, outside of that, it was harder. So now, like we've talked about, you can be doing the job that you've had and be there. And I mean, what a dream that is, right? So yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, no, that's 100% correct. A lot of times, you know, I grew up, graduated high school in the late 90s and going into college. I was like one of the only, you know, half a dozen of my classmates who went to college in Maine and decided to stay here. Whereas, you know, that was the mantra back then is if you want to make a decent income, you got to leave the state. You got to leave. Just, I know. Unless you can get, you know, into the one to three 
insurance companies that were here at the time. And but but a lot has changed. And you know, prior to COVID, we were seeing a lot. You know, I think Wex is a global payment processing company based in South Portland, and mm-hmm. they've had a lot of tech jobs. There's talk that Northeastern University is going to have a satellite campus in Portland. Oh, that'd be amazing! Really by the way, focus on technology. So we try to stay true to the working class jobs. You just are, you know, main leadership in these cities. They're just looking to the future and they need to attract that kind of brain drain that left, attract it back or attract, you know, you know, new talent into the state. So you're seeing that. And now COVID is really just like we said, not to be redundant, but it's just fast tracked everything. Yeah, it really has. Now there's a line almost at the border. Right. You know, exactly. You kind of touched on it. And I think you already said the market is competitive. There's bidding wars. So basically inventory is low, demand is high, prices are being driven up basically as far as the pulse of the market there for people looking to buy. They need to be prepared, right? To act quickly. Yeah. Okay. They They need to be prepared. Like I said, you know, I, you know, it's historically low inventory. We've never seen it this low seasonally. And as long as these mortgage rates and, you know, banking system remains healthy, you know, I, I don't see that changing. You know, it's created this perfect storm of bidding wars and bidding wars are happening all throughout the country. We know that. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're it, happening here too. Yeah. And I've, I've never seen it like this. I've been a licensed broker for real estate agent for over 10 years. And before that, I was on the mortgage side of things. So it's mm-hmm. so almost 15 years. You know, I've seen these markets go through their ebbs and flows. And I was, I cut my teeth during the 2008 financial crisis. So yeah. um, I've seen it all, but I've never seen this. And, you know, we are, you know, if a property is turnkey, and it doesn't even have to be brand new. If it's just turnkey and it's priced right, there's normally 15 to 20 offers. A lot of times wow. you see it at 50000 over asking. That's, that's a lot of offers. Uh, that- appraisers can't even keep up with these new prices because I won't get into it. But appraisers go on historical values. So a lot sure. of times appraisals come in lower than what the actual offer prices are. And uh, Sure. Yeah, it's a crazy market. And uh, again, great for sellers. It's tough for buyers, but it's just going to be a different type of process for buyers. If you're a brand new buyer, this is all you know. But if you've been, right. you know, if you've been buying and selling in real estate for years, gone are the days of, oh, okay, I'm going to go see it on Sunday. I'm going to think about it. I'd like to come back on Wednesday, maybe with, you know, a parent or, a, you know, a sibling. And then maybe make our decision next week. It's, Unfortunately, those days are gone and it's... Uh, Yeah, a realtor here told me the exact same scenario. And so what I was going to ask you next was, are you doing virtual showing and then selling through the showing or even the second phase? So let's say they see it on a Sunday, like you just said, and they're like, well, I want to show my such and such. Then maybe that portion is done that day virtually so they can get an answer. I mean, I heard around here, there are people that have purchased in that manner without actually physically driving to the house. They make sure they get a good inspector and go through it. And especially, you know, Maine's further away from some of these states that people are purchasing from. Are you noticing any of that as a trend as well? It is a trend. A lot of these online sites, you know, there's two or three are the consumer real estate websites where you search for what's online. They're, mm-hmm. They actually offer, you can request to tour this through a video tour. So uh, this is really, hasn't been around before. 
It's yeah. because of COVID and basically the state's guidelines that said, you know, you've got to quarantine before you can come in here. So really the only way to see a property was through trusting your real estate broker that you're working with. And a lot of times they'd walk through either it was FaceTime before Zoom became a big yeah. thing. I am seeing that. And if you're in Florida and you know you want to be in Maine and you can't just fly up here on Sunday and fly back, that is, it's obviously a great tool to have. Yeah. And we're seeing more of it. It's not the predominant, you know, way, you know, transactions are being settled and going under contract. But it's one way. Yeah. It's, it's happening a lot more than it ever has for the reasons we said. So. Yeah. And I think I mentioned to you during, you know, the lockdown, this guy was a executive in New York and he's like, you know, my family and I were thinking of relocating to Nashville, like within the next five years. But we're doing it now. And he was being interviewed because he bought the house virtually. The realtor did FaceTime walkthrough. He, you know, vetted a really good inspector, had everything inspected. And he's like, we're going out. And so he was featured because he was like, I think one of the first whatever. And so they were sort of talking about the trends. Here he was in New York buying in Nashville, had never physically walked through the house. And then even here in Connecticut, just an hour outside of New York City, people from New York City and other places are also purchasing in that manner. So it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot more tools that you have today versus, you know, you've always heard in the past of a sight and scene offer. It's usually, you know, somebody in the upper, you know, wealth echelons where it's less of a risk, you know. However, yeah, it's happening. And, you know, when you're when you have to make a decision, you have to make it fast. You've got to have kind of a team that you trust. But the technologies are there where you can really get a feel through either 3D Matterhorn virtual tours, mm-hmm. what the layout is like. It's hard in a slideshow of just kind of, you know, 12 photos to really get an idea of what oh, the totally. like. Yeah, I think someone's got to do a virtual walkthrough, yeah. yeah. But I think people are willing to kind of say, okay, it's a risk-reward here. I'm going to miss out if I don't, obviously, pursue the property because I can't get up there and tour all of them. So, you know, my tips on people who want to do that, because it's obviously, there are a lot of pros to the situation. If you're an out-of-state buyer, you can't be up here physically to tour. You can mm-hmm. connect with an agent who has the ability to go around and and look for you, talk with you while they're there and do mm-hmm. you know, basically a video tour while you're on the phone. But, you know, there's also some realistic drawbacks with that approach. Whereas yeah. all else being equal, a seller typically, and this is what I find, it's not always the case. They typically are more comfortable with buyers that have walked through the property, really, you know, vetted the area and, you know, physically knocked on the walls, looked in and walked around, walked around the lot in the backyard and whatnot, just because there is, you know, a bit of a risk when you go into contract with a buyer that the first time they see the property is the final walkthrough and inspection before the closing, unless they don't even do that. So I would say, you know, if I were to give any tips for an out-of-state buyer, tip number one would be don't just go online on Sunday, communicate with the buyer agent that day and tell them, I'm very interested. I want to be putting an offer in and do it that day, you know, because typically a hot home is listed on a Friday. They're calling for all highest and best offers on a Tuesday. So Mm -hmm. there's 25 to 30 showings that weekend. 
you really want to make yourself more competitive and start a relationship with a buyer agent. Or if you can, you know, talk to the listing broker of the house and do a dual agency situation, whatever Mm -hmm. you choose to do, do it at least a week beforehand, get all your documentation of them, your proof of funds, your Mm pre-qualification from your lender, and really just that way you put your best foot forward with the agents because they're going to be doing a lot of the, you know, the convincing that this is a qualified, I've qualified this buyer, they're serious, here's their story. And then you can get into how you structure your offers. If you're so confident, either the property's already been pre-inspected and you're a cash buyer, you can get in there and waive contingencies. So mm-hmm. contingencies, if you don't know, are just abilities for buyers to back out of a sale and yep. really not have any risk to themselves. Right. Yeah, I would sell. imagine right now the offers coming in with no contingencies are the ones that are going to be looked at first and foremost. If you have contingencies, you will probably lose the property, right? Uh, yes. All else can, I mean, and that's a really tough position for agents like myself to where we like to, as an advisor, I mean, the, the last thing I want to say is pick your highest number and cross your fingers. That's not a lot yeah. of advice, you know what I mean? But at the same time, when you're in a bidding war, it's kind of like a blind auction. So that's really, yeah. and, and I always, for a first time home buyer, if it's not a brand new house, if they haven't provided you with a you know, a pre-listing inspection, it's hard for me to say, don't get a building inspection, a third party, you know, professional building inspection, because you could have a whole host of issues that you're getting into. Oh, yeah. I mean, septic can fail. There could be arsenic in your well, or, you know, there's a structural issue. I mean, like I told you, even the guy on TV said, he said, I did have the inspection. Now, whether or not he waived a contingency to it, I don't know. But he's like, I had the place checked out, you know, head to toe. But yeah, you're right. It's one of those things. It's a, it's the risk people are willing to take. Do you think as far as just searching for areas and what's available using websites like realtor.com, what is the best place for someone to maybe start their search online for real estate in Maine? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got obviously Zillow, realtor.com, Redfin's another one that's that's become popular in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. The best thing would probably be looking into your own sphere of influence and just asking for a personal referral to a main real estate agent, that's the best way because they can actually set you up on an automated email list from our multiple listing service. So it's, right. But I wouldn't say don't continue to look on those consumer sites because they're pretty accurate up to a couple hours. But I think, you know, definitely familiarize yourself with main real estate, you know, price points, price per square foot, the areas, yeah. do your own research on the school systems. You know, your real yeah. estate agent can really only do so much for you as far as determining kind of where you want to be. You know, we can certainly say, you know, these school systems are better than these, so on and so forth. Buyers really need to do due diligence up front. And then it's a real estate agent's job to really walk you through the process and you know, do our fiduciary duty and, and make sure you're protected, or at least you know, okay, if you're waiting these inspections, you know, here are the risks to you. But like you said to your point earlier, yeah, a lot of people are saying cash, no inspections. At this price point, I'm willing to risk 
there may be an issue I'm walking into and so on and so forth. So Yeah, I mean, look, as long as you're prepared for it, for the repair or whatever, it's it's all about preparation, right? And planning. It's all so case it's like, by case. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's all, it's all very interesting. But I wanted to highlight Maine because, you know, like I said, being in Connecticut, everybody thinks, oh, from the city, you just go to Connecticut. But there's a lot of other places to go, whether it be Nashville, Florida, or Maine, you know, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, all that stuff. And so I did think it was interesting. I've noticed, I read some articles like you mentioned about South Portland. I've seen the trend with Maine of people just, you know, discovering it for the first time and just falling in love with it. And so, yeah, I think as far as finding the area you want to be in too, like you can always determine, well, I want close proximity to Boston. Maybe you do for work or for a big city. So that's going to be a consideration as far as where in Maine you go, because my advice is Maine is a really big state. (laughs) People don't realize that. So you want to figure out like mid coast, you know, southern mid coast versus up north. And they all have their positive things. It's just about what kind of lifestyle you want. So anyway, this was a great chat. You gave a lot of good information. And what I'd love to do is close the show with letting listeners know the best place they could find you if they want to connect with you. We'll put it in the show notes, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, a website, the best place, maybe they could view your listings and, you know, would love to have you mentioned that? Sure. I, I would direct people to my Facebook page. That's where I'm most active. You know, I have a website that I don't use as much as I used to. I put a lot of my content on my Facebook page. So if you just, okay. you know, if you could simply Google Marty Masisso Realtor and it's going to pull up a lot of information on myself and my Facebook page should be in there. You could do the yep. same by um, searching me on Facebook, Marty Masisso, you know, Realtor. It's pretty easily accessible. You can like it, follow it, and my contact information's through there. My website, martymyrealtor.com, also has an ability to contact me through there. Do you have Instagram, Marty? Oh, yeah, I do. I have have an Instagram. It's embassisso underscore main underscore real estate agent. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I can follow it. I have a lot of pictures of my newborn baby on there, so not so much. uh, (laughs) It's not all real estate, so it's kind of my my head. That's great. So you're tired. Between work and the baby, you're tired. Not as tired as my (laughs) wife, but, you know, very tired still, you know. It's hard. Anyway, it's been really great chatting with you. I hope people listening, you know, you've learned a little bit about Maine and looking in Maine. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to Marty. He's really versed on it and can help you out. And thank you for being here with me again. It's It's been really great. Love chatting. Thank you for reaching out to me and congratulations on your success. I think this is a great podcast and definitely going to be subscribing. So thank you. Thank uh, you. We'll chat <laughs> soon. Okay. Okay. Take care, Jill. So I hope you enjoyed that discussion and it was informative to you. You know, since COVID, there's been a lot of people who have felt maybe they're not just going to go to the nearest suburb outside the city that they were residing in, but they had, you know, potential dreams, maybe in the short term or the long term, to move to a different state. And so COVID sort of sped that process up for certain people. What happened with the state of Maine were two things. One is it's been trending for a while. A lot of people have spent vacation time there. And so anyone who knew Maine on any level, I think, was considering it as a place to go and reside for the reasons that we did speak about today. And, you know, I think that the other thing that happened that was really interesting was 
during lockdown, people wanted to get a road trip getaway. And there were a lot of people that had never been to Maine and didn't know a thing about it. And they went for the first time and really loved it. And that's what happens when you go to Maine. Between the gorgeous rocky coastline, the people, the lifestyle, it really offers a lot. And so I really thought it was important to talk about that market today and talk about, you know, those options as, you know, we leave cities and think of other places to live and other suburbs to live throughout the country. Maine has a really amazing way of life. So reach out to Marty. All the links and everything are in the show notes if you're interested in Maine and doing any research about it. I'm from Maine. If there's anything you want to know, please feel free to reach out, DM me, email, message me, whatever. I grew up there and my family's still there. We go back and forth a lot, especially when it is not COVID. So we're hoping that We'll be back there soon to see everybody, but feel free to reach out and I hope you enjoyed this episode. From my home to yours, I will see you here next week. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you and I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to jillcalmaninteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide, and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list once you've moved in and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form. It's free to download and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer. And before you move, you're going to want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to Go through your home search, find the right home, get settled, and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.